Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We've been on a series called Living in Liberty. And uh, last week we talked about the location of liberty. Today I'm going to talk about the inclusion of liberty. The inclusion of liberty. So if you got your Bibles, get those out here at the Rhodes Church. We believe that every time we open the Bible that God wants to speak to us because it is His Word. It's not just a book. It's something He wants to talk to us about. So that's why we get excited whenever we open the Bible because we're not just opening up some silly book. We're opening up a Word from God. So we get a little hyped about that. So if you got your Bibles this morning, let's get them out. Let's open them to Galatians chapter 3. Woo! Come on, Mount Carmel. Yes. Great to hear all of you shouting out. A little bit of different lay, uh, layout for me today. I asked him to set this table up for me and a chair because I'm going to attempt to sit down. <laughs> I notice I said the word attempt because that is not easy for me at all. So uh, pray for me that this church, this uh, chair will hold me down. Galatians chapter 3. <laughs> I need to get there. Galatians chapter 3. Genesis, that's, there we go. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading verse 26. Everybody ready? Sermon notes are available in the Version Bible app only this week. So if you'd like to check those out, you can go to the events section of the Version Bible app and have some sermon notes available for you there. Galatians 3 verse 26. Let's go for it. It says, for you are all, everybody say all. All sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one. Everybody say one. One in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray. Jesus says, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come I pray that you fill every room, Mount Carmel, North City, every living room, every home, every car, wherever people are, God, I pray that your presence will be with us. I pray that they will hear your voice and not mine. I pray that you anoint the words out of my mouth, that clarity of hearing, clarity of communication, Lord, that we will know what heaven is saying to us today. I bind the lies of the enemy. I bind every strategy of the enemy, and I just loose the plan of heaven, the agenda of heaven to take place today. For the glory of Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 Now here we're talking about again the inclusion of liberty. And I look here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. It says, for you are all sons of God. So when it says, when we talk about the inclusion of liberty, when it says all, who does that include in all? That includes everybody. Everybody. If everybody's included, that means nobody's excluded. Right? So we can put that together. So you're all sons of God. How are we all sons of God? If everybody's included and everybody can be sons of God, then how are we all sons of God? Through what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. Now the word through is just a Greek word dia, which means the channel of an act or how something comes about. It's another way of defining it. It says the tool or instrument by which a process is affected. So it's the means by which we become sons or daughters. How do we become sons or daughters? We don't become sons or daughters. We don't get saved. We don't become Christians become by becoming better people. 
We don't become sons or daughters by stopping doing bad things and start doing good things. We only become sons or daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's not about us. Salvation's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus did. None of us could go to heaven based on our goodness. It's because Jesus was perfect and he did not sin and he paid the price for you and for me. So that's why we have to stay connected to Jesus. So we're all saved through faith. John chapter 1 says it this way, but as many as received him, as received him, not as many as started going to church, although it's great to go to church, as many as started doing good things. and stopped, it's, not, it's not just that. It's both and. It's both and. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Not believe that he exists, but believes in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man. I don't have time to teach this scripture. Sometimes when I read scriptures, I hear things and I'm like, move on, Holy Spirit. I don't need to teach that. But it's telling us that there are layers to salvation. And we got to realize it's being born of God. That's the ultimate. We have to be born again in our hearts. But we'll move on. So now let's look at verse 27. So now it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now the word put on, or two words really, is one Greek word. It means to be clothed with something. Like when you got dressed this morning, you put on clothes. Thank you. So we, we put on something. So it's something that you didn't have, but you are able to put it on you. So Christ, whenever we get born again, we put Christ on. So that tells me that it's an option, that I have to do something. It's an act of faith. It's something I have to put Christ on. If I have to put Christ on, that means I can also put him off. I'm not talking about salvation with that. I'm talking about more in the moment of how I'm going to act and respond. Anyway, again, I'm getting into stuff I don't want to get into today. So you put on, what do we put on? We put on Christ. We don't put on a denomination. Right? We don't put on a political party. Making sure you're with me. So we put on, everybody say Christ. Christ. So now go to verse 28. So we, we understand that all are included. So if all are included, what is removed when all are included? In the perfect, in Christ, all things are included. What is removed? Look at this, what it says in 28. There is neither. So it's telling us what's not there in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. Look at three things. Number one. There's neither Jew nor Greek. The word Greek is just used for Gentiles or non-Jews. So number one, what there is not in Christ, there is not race. When it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, he's saying in Christ there is no race. There's no Jew, there's no non-Jew, there's no black, there's no white, there's no Hispanic, no Latino, no, no Asian, it doesn't matter. We're all one. All one in Christ. So the first thing he's getting out of, the, out of the gate is saying, listen, in Christ, I want to tell you something. There is not race. No matter where you're born, no matter your nationality, no matter your color, your complexion, we're all on the same playing field in Christ with the same privileges. Number two, neither slave nor free. Slave nor free. Number one deals with race. Number two deals with status. 
slave nor free deals with your socioeconomic status. In Christ, there is no difference between rich or poor. Doesn't matter what your position is, what your occupation is, we're all on the same level. Number three, male nor female deals with gender. Gender. So in Christ, there is no distinction in gender. There's no distinction. There's no hierarchy of gender in Christ. It's not God, male, female. Now, what what I'm talking about today, I'm not talking about things I'm talking about to make friends. Because some things you're going to say, oh, amen, that's awesome. Some things you're going to say, So just be ready. I came to speak the truth as God put it on my heart. Been, been a tough week. Been praying a lot about what God wanted me to say and how I wanted to say it. And even last night as I'm going to bed, I'm just crying and saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't. Dawn reached over, put her hands on my back, starts praying the peace of God on me because I knew that God wanted me to share something, but I didn't want to talk about it. But I knew it needed to be talked about because our country is in a situation where we need to hear the truth of the word of God. Because we can come in and we can preach and talk about getting saved and going to heaven and forget about the world that we live in. And then when we do that, the, war, the church becomes irrelevant. And people stop looking to the church for answers when the church needs to be speaking up. Not just about by and by when I fly away about what's happening right now in the streets of our country. We've got to talk about it. So now, all three of these, stay focused here. All three of these categories, race, status, and gender, all three of them in some form or fashion, either presently or in the past or combination thereof, experience oppression. Race, different races, I've seen it all around the world, not just black or white, all different races experience oppression. It happens everywhere. Socioeconomic status, oppression happens. I've been to India many times. I see all kinds of oppression based on the people of wealth. It's a caste system. If you're wealthy, you get to experience this kind of life. If you're poor, you have to experience this, this kind of life. There's oppression because of how much money you have. Status. It separates people in privilege because of the amount of money that you have. It's true. Whether you like it or not, whether you're experienced or not, it's still true. The third one, male or female. Female, the females have dealt with oppression on different levels throughout all of history. Not being able to vote, not considered a true citizen. All that's happened. Now, whether you were one of those who caused any of that oppression, it does not matter. What we're trying to do is bring awareness to the fact that it exists. You may say, well, I don't have any of that. It doesn't matter if you don't think you have any of that. It happens in our world. And I think if we're, if we're honest and we ask God to search our heart, we may have a little bit more than we think we have. Maybe not, not because of our own intention, but maybe because just of the culture, the upbringing that we've been exposed to. So now let me give you Galatians chapter 3. Well, let me say this first. Race, status, and, and, and gender, gender. Sorry. Race, status, and gender. All three of these in Christ are on an equal playing field. They're equal in opportunity and they're equal in need. We all need a savior. No matter your race, you need Jesus. 
I don't care what color you are of where you come from. You need Jesus as a Savior. We're all on the same playing field. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. You need Jesus. This is why Jesus said it's going to be very difficult for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because we all know the more we have and the less needs we have, the easier easier it is for us to become self-sufficient. Things that used to stress you out when you were broke and you believe God for, once you have money, you don't think about it at all. You never pray about that. I used to have to pray about the opportunities I would have to be able to fill up with gas. I couldn't fill up. Today, Lord, I'm, pray- I'm thanking you that I can put 10 in. 10 used to get you a lot farther than a kid. But anyway, stay focused. So none, all three of those, none in Christ, none are to be hindered, limited, and none are to have special privileges. In Christ, no matter your race, you're not hindered, nor do you have special privileges. In Christ, your socioeconomic status, you don't have, you're not hindered in any way. Rich, we're not preaching against the rich. We're not pushing the rich out, nor do we give the rich special privileges. We're all in the same playing field. Gender, males don't get preferential treatment, females less treatment. Not in Christ. It happens in the world. I'll take you to some countries. Women, you sit over here. Men, you sit over here. We get caught on that. Okay, so now let me give you verse 28. In the Passion Translation, it says, we are no... We, okay, let me try again. Slow down. How are you doing? Good to see you. Sometimes I get so many things I want to say that I get in a rush. Gear down. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, Rich or poor, this is our former state, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. Notice what it says. We're all one through what? Through our union with Jesus Christ. This is really important. The only way we become one is through our union with Jesus Christ. So where we're not in union with Jesus Christ, we will not become one. Break that down a little further. Areas of your life, areas of my life where I'm not in union with Jesus Christ on that issue, we will not become one on that issue. Our oneness is not attached to us all becoming one political party. Our oneness comes when we come in union with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So now, that becoming one means one single unit. Let me, let me go ahead and sit down. Let me, let me try and sit down. Maybe that'll be better. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Hold your applause. Declaration of Independence. You guys heard of that? Our Declaration of Independence says this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, everybody say all men. All men are created equal. Created equal. Created equal. Created equal. Created equal. At the, at the siding of this, of this document, they were not all treated equal, but they were created equal. And they are all, that they, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Great statement. 
Because the truth of that statement is, the wisdom of that statement is not the application of that statement in the day. The wisdom of that statement is the one who spoke it, inspired by God to say that on God's end, I created everybody equal. And we've all got unalienable rights, and that's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, no matter where you come from, even though the application of that truth was not being done correctly. This is why a person can be a part of this nation and have a problem with the application of the said truths of this nation because the application did not go beyond every demographic. This is why you can set from your perspective, from your lens and say, that's right. That's our nation. That's our great document. That's the birth of our nation, our forefathers. Yes, but some of our forefathers had issues with being in union with Christ in every area. I'll sit back down. It's a great truth that they wrote, but how many knows that some of us have known truths that we didn't always apply? All right, just let it marinate for a moment. There'll be more. It's going to get tougher. So now, the reason I sat down is because I asked them, I said, I want, I want to have a sit-down discussion with my family. I want to sit down and just have a discussion. A lot of times we don't want to have discussions anymore. We don't want to have conversations. We want to convert. I'll talk to you as long as you'll think like me. We, we don't want unity. We want uniformity. We want conformity. So we, in our society, what's happened is we've, we've lost the ability to have a discussion and disagree and still love one another. Because we think love equals agreement and hate equals disagreement. We even come up with these phrases we call people haters. What we're saying is people that don't like you, don't agree with you, don't support you, you call them a hater. Well, maybe they've got a perspective that you don't have and they don't agree with your viewpoint. That doesn't mean they're a hater. It just means they don't agree with you. Get over ourselves. God bless you, Chad. God bless you, Chad. So I want us to have an uncomfortable conversation today. And here's what I know. Growth and comfort do not coincide. If you're going to grow in an area, you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable in that area. And we're going to talk about some things that make some people uncomfortable. When the Lord was putting this on my heart to speak about, I said, Lord, um, I don't know what I want to talk about. Because I'm talking to a community, communities in the rest, vast area. They're like 97% white. He's like, exactly. Who needs to hear it the most? So I'm not saying to make anyone feel uncomfortable in a way that's going to make you feel bad, but maybe to help you grow, okay? So first term I'm going to throw out to you. Let's get it right out of the gate. Racism. Race, what is racism? Racism, by definition, is the feeling of superiority and partiality of one race over another. Again, this is not just black versus white. This is any scenario around the globe It happens. But in context of what we're talking about in our society today, at the forefront is African-American versus Caucasian or black versus white. That's just whether you want to use formal language or informal language. That's all the difference is. So the feeling of superiority or partiality, I'm better than you. You're less than me. Injustice is a different word. Injustice means this, when people actually act on feelings of superiority and partiality and treat someone differently. So they take the feeling of racism and act on it and treat someone differently. That is injustice. How a person feels about another person does not affect them until they act on it. 
So racism is going to happen around us. Injustice is what we're trying to stop. Racism at the root is a heart issue. We cannot legislate racism. Racism is a matter of the human heart. Only God can touch a human heart. Injustice is laws. We need the the connection. It's like someone can say, well, we don't need laws. We just need more of Jesus. It's not either or. We need both and. We need Jesus touching people's hearts, and we need the laws to prevent people from acting on their feelings that are not godly until they get there. The laws prevent people from acting out on their behaviors. Because here's what's happening. And as I was listening to what was happening, my heart uh, was as a dad. Uh, I was just thinking about my my kids. And I I was thinking about what they were listening to, what they were thinking. And I thought, uh, we as a church, we've got to speak to this truth. Because I want my kids. So if if nobody else gets this message, I want this to be something that my kids can go back and watch. Because I want them to understand the the validity of the kingdom of God in this. Because some people were saying things like, well, we just need to get rid of laws. We need to get rid of the police department. Well, if we get rid of the police department, what are going to be the ramifications of getting rid of the police department? Because the error in that thinking, again, I'm not putting anybody down for thinking in that. I'm just saying the error of that thinking is the person believing that people are inherently good. And people are inherently evil without Jesus. So if people are inherently evil without Jesus, then we need laws to prevent inherent evil from coming to pass until people come to know Jesus, and then they don't need those laws anymore because the law is written on their heart. See the difference? If the law is not written on my heart, then I need something written to tell me that's wrong. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me, and I think that's pretty important. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, listen, law's not going to make a man love me, but it'll keep him from killing me. But that's the goal behind it. So this is why we need the, the, the relationship of the law and Jesus working together. Laws won't make people not be prejudiced, but their intent is to curb or prevent people from acting on those prejudices. That's the goal. Laws are not going to get rid of prejudice in the world, but hopefully the goal is to keep people from acting on those prejudices. So now, the Pledge of Allegiance. Maybe you've heard of it. It says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So the question is, do we have liberty and justice for all? It's available, but is it applied? The answer is no. It's not. Now, maybe in your mind, maybe you don't experience that. Maybe in your mind, you're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't do any of that. It doesn't matter whether you do it or not. The, the deal is to be aware that it happens. Because the, the, the purpose behind this today is to be aware of things that we're not aware of. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. I mean, a, a, another phrase that you need to talk about. White privilege. White privilege. As soon as you say white privilege, some people bristle. They get upset. Because some people, when they hear white privilege, they believe it's an insult that you're saying that I haven't had a rough life because I'm white and everything's been handed to me on a silver platter. That's not what white privilege is. White privilege is not insulting you thinking you've had a silver spoon in your mouth. White privilege is this. Let me illustrate in a way. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's something we can do about it. Everybody in the room, all left-handers, raise your hand for me, will you please? All left-handers, look at you, look at you. That's awesome. 
Only a couple of the left-handers raised their right hand, but that's all right. They're, trying to, they're still trying to embrace their identity. But see, so now, left-handers, you know this, right? You live in a right-handed world. You live in a right-handed world. I mean, when you went to school, which side were the desks always on? Right-handed kids. Now, right-handed people, you didn't ask for that privilege. You didn't riot for that privilege. You didn't campaign for that. It's because you are the majority. A little over 10% of the population are left-handed. So they're going to make a mouse. You try to get a mouse for a left-handed person, they can do that. How about writing with the, on a binder? You got those big clips right there? Right-handed people get those binders out and write on them. Think, oh, there's no problem with these binders. Yeah, because you don't understand my pain. Right? Writing on that metal spiral all the time or writing in ink across. And so you smudge with ink with your hand as you write across. All the left-handed people are like, amen, amen, preach it. That's right-handed privilege that you just don't, it doesn't, it's not on your grid. Not because you're a bad person, not because you ask for it. It's just because there's certain things that are easier for the majority than they are for the minority. Try and go out finding a left-handed catcher's mitt. Go into a golf store and say, hey, give me some left-handed clubs. They'll look at you like you're a leper. We talk, oh, left-handed? I think we got one in the back for you over there. Now you're starting to understand the difference in white privilege versus black privilege. There are certain things, I'm not saying everything, but there are certain things that have catered to the white community because we're 77 percent of the population that you don't have to deal with. It doesn't make you evil. It just means you need to be aware that some people are having trouble finding a left-handed catcher's mitt. When you go in to get your right-handed catcher's mitt, you don't have to feel bad. You just need to be aware that it's not as easy for some people. When you go in to find your pair of nine shoes and you can pick from every kind over there, well, they, you don't ever think about walking into a store and going, I wonder if they have my size. Welcome to my world. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm not making light or the direct comparison to race versus those things. I'm trying to connect with people that are white on what it's about, that there's a difference in the world that you're like, what? I have never once thought about my children going out for a jog in the community and wondering if they were going to come home because of the color of their skin. Never once thought about that. Never once when my kids go into a store do I wonder if someone's looking at them wondering if they're going to steal something. That's the reality. I spent some time. See, we've got to get some culture in our life. And I, let me tell you quickly about a couple of stories from me on how I got some culture. If you would bring up the, the pictures here. Uh, we need to have some uncomfortable conversations. Look at this great shot there. This is the fall, this is the fall of 1990, Eastern Illinois University basketball team. I'm the one on the right. My friend, my friend Darius, both of us were walk-ons. We both made the team. And we lived close to each other. And so after, when we started, we started walking to practice together and both of us were low men on the totem pole because we were walk-ons. And when I first met Darius and came, when I came to Eastern Illinois University, I grew up, I did not know one black person. I didn't know one. So when Darius found out, and I told him that I didn't know any, I had no black friends, I had no relationships, I had nothing. He said, where are you from? <laughs> Darius was from Chicago. And I said, yeah, yeah Darius, there's, there's no... 
there's no black people where I'm from. It's like, what? He said, just, you in America? I'm like, yes, <laughs> barely, but yes. <laughs> joking. But here's what I want to say. Darius, in our walks, and our conversations throughout that year, Darius, Darius um, Eric, B-Love West, we call him, Steve Rowe, Barry Johnson, Gerald Jones, uh, uh, se several players on our team that just helped me. I asked a bunch of questions. I said, Darius, so after we built a little bit of a relationship, I said, Darius, how come when you say this, it's not wrong, but when I say it, it's wrong? How come when, when you guys get together and you talk this way and then I come in, I can't talk that way? Darius was so patient with me for a young white kid that had no culture in him to answer my questions patiently and give me education on what it means to be a black man in America. I had no grit, no idea. All I had heard were racial slurs and separation all growing up. I had grouped them all in, an, in a category. But Darius helped me understand the individual of Darius. He said, don't look at me like I'm black guy. Look at me like I'm Darius. So then, then uh, I, I graduate from Eastern and I moved to Peoria. And in Peoria, I met a guy of the name of Big Poppy. Big Poppy, also known as Michael Cage. I was playing basketball pickup games there and at school, and uh, I was working for the university then at Bradley, but I was playing games at night. And, uh, and so I met Big Poppy and got to meet him, got to play in, and, you know, was, was competing and doing pretty good or whatever. And, and so Big Poppy took a liking to me and brought me in. They called me Big Country. And... Uh, <laughs> Come here, big country. And uh, I, I, I picked big country. You're on my team today. And so at some point in our relationship, Big Poppy, we started calling, started talking. And uh, he said, hey, today, big country, you're going with me. I said, where are we going, Big Poppy? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to play some basketball in a different place. Like, well, well, where, where was that? <laughs> so we're going to go. You just, you just get in the car. Big Poppy took me to the south side of Peoria. Went to the south side of Peoria where there were, I didn't see anywhere, within a few blocks, I didn't see no white people anywhere. Get out on the basketball court. Before we got out of the car, Big Poppy says, listen, listen, respect yourself, respect others, back down, don't back down, and be yourself. So I get out, start playing. He said, You're, they're going to try you, they're going to try you. Be yourself. I know who you are. Be yourself. So anyway, I get out there. As soon as I get out and I start playing, people driving by saying uh, derogatory terms. I understood for the first time what it's like to be a minority, to be afraid, to be scared, to wonder how my environment was going to receive me. I'm getting out of the car, going to the court, going, oh, big puppy. Oh. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't know if they were like big puppy. Come on, let me help you right now. I had relationship with him. I had relationship with Darius. You can take that picture down. It's bothering me. But you know, nobody wants to see that. I had relationship with them, individual. But I didn't know if the other people that looked like him were like him. This is what we're talking about. Sometimes we have a bad run-in with an individual of another race, and we've lost the power of individualism. That we, we put people in groups and categories and, and we paint broad brush strokes. 
Whenever, whenever you looked at George Floyd being murdered on the streets and you saw that image of the police officer with his knee on, on his neck, there's all kind of layers to what you saw. Let me give you some of them. Some people saw a man kneeling on another man's neck until he suffocates. Some people saw a white man kneeling on the neck of a black man until he suffocates. Some people saw a white police officer kneeling on the neck of a black man in handcuffs until he suffocated. All of those layers, different layers with different intensity, culminate into different responses. Because some people, when we, what happens, we have these layers of what's happening in our, in our Peaceful protests and riots and all this stuff. And there's so many layers to it that we get confused because we start handpicking the parts that we want to focus on. So if you want to focus on the riot and the looting, you focus on that. And you totally forget the social injustice that also needs to be addressed. Because we put people and responses in groups and we say all blacks, all whites, all cops. Don't do that. Was the problem in that picture, was it a white man? Was it a cop? Was it that guy? Or further drill down, was it his behavior in that moment? Is he a bad person or was that a bad act? Do you see where I'm going with this? We paint broad brushstrokes. I don't know how many of you would like to admit that you've had bad moments in your life. And what happens is we have a bad belief system about something creates a bad behavior. That bad behavior begins to identify who we are, and the, who we are begins to put us in groups. So when we see that situation, we see the tragedy of George Floyd's death, we got to be careful that we don't start putting into groups, and now we start labeling all blacks, all whites, all police officers. That's not the way we look at it. We look at that one man producing a bad act in that moment, and we say, that man needs Jesus. We feel sorry for that man, for George Floyd. We, we feel for him, for his family, for that individual. And we stay away from broad brushstrokes and broad reactions that lump everybody together and create all kinds of different responses. Now, why? Maybe you ask this. Because I, I talked to uh, Eric, one of my teammates on the basketball team. I called him and I said, Eric, uh, talk to me. I don't want to say anything. I, don't want, I just want you to tell me, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? What do you think right now? What do you think about the president? What do you think about what's going on? Just tell me. Why? Because I want a perspective. I want a perspective from a, from a friend of mine that grew up in St. Louis and did not have a life like me, didn't look like me. So he told me, and I don't have time to tell you what all we talked about, but it was wonderful to get perspective. Sometimes we'll never get perspective unless we have a conversation. And if you will not sit down and talk with someone that does not look like you, you'll never see the world through a different set of lenses. You'll always see it through your set of lenses. And this is what I'm concerned about, is what happens. There's so many layers to what's happening that, that people are responding. And maybe you say, well, I don't think they should respond that way. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me make an analogy, maybe connect for you. How many of you have married? Because you maybe say, well, it's just one half. I don't, I don't think all this to do should be about one guy. I talked to another friend of mine of color for almost two hours on the phone. And he said, Chad, listen, it's, it's not just about George Floyd. It's about a compounding issue. You can relate to this if you really think about it. How many of you have ever had something in a relationship with a spouse or a friend that they did something, said something that you didn't like, and you pushed it down and said, that's all right? And then they do something else that you don't like. That's all right, you know, bad day, bad day. 
Go over here. Do something else. Pretty soon, one day they do something, and it just explodes. Was it the significance of that one thing they did, or was it a culmination of everything that you pushed down and didn't deal with? For some people, the response that's happening is because George Floyd is just one example of a lot of things that have been suppressed. And you can say, well, that's not my fault. It may not be your fault, but to say there is no fault is just as naive. To say that there's no fault, there's no cause, there's no reason for someone to say, hey, this is unjust, this is wrong. Now, here's the the deal. To me, people, white society, we get defensive because, well, I'm not racist. That's fine to say you're not racist. But you've got to realize that racism still exists. It's still going on in the world around us. But the problem is all the layers. The layers. As I was talking to my kids, I talked to my kids about this, and, and I said, listen, you got to be careful because the answer to the world, okay, this is where it may get sticky for some of you. The answer for the world, for the United States of America, is not more Republicans. The answer for Christianity is not more Republicans. The answer for for society, for culture, is not more Democrats. I can use either one. I'm just saying sometimes in conservative Christianity, they believe the answer is more Republicans. The answer is more Jesus. And I don't say that to be a generic statement. I'm telling you, we need more of Jesus. I don't care what letter you have after your name. My values are not attached to a party. If a party doesn't want to line up with my values, then I'm not attached to them. I will not let a party tell me what to do. My allegiance is tied to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's it. So now if a party wants to come alongside and do things that align with that that value system, that's wonderful. If they choose not to, then that's on them. But we as a church got to make sure, and I say church, I'm talking about the big seat, not just our local church. We got to make sure there are layers of agendas with what's going on. Fox News is not your Bible. CNN is not your Bible. Truths, because what's happening in the layers of things, social injustice is happening that's real that we need to deal with. But now another layer comes in. Some people that have another agenda want to take advantage of this issue to push their agenda. So you got to be careful who you get your truths from. This is why when I was talking to my kids, specifically my older daughter's talking to one on the phone, and because uh, and, what happens, your kids move, move away from here, and they realize there's a whole other world. <laughs> yes. And if we don't tell them about it correctly when they move away, they'll start getting truths from the wrong sources. Because there's people that's trying to push their agenda and call it the new way to think. This Bible is written thousands of years ago. It's still the right way to think. But here's what I told my daughter. So we build our values based on the truths and the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's it. The lives and the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's where your values are based on. So that's where you build your basis on how you're going to believe. But here's what happens. So social injustice taking place. Someone comes in, takes advantage of that. Now they start to push their agenda. Here's where politics gets involved. Because I'll see a post about social injustice, how we need to do more to help the, the inequality for race. We're like, yes, yes, next post attached to it, Trump must resign. I'm like, well, back up. Your agenda just slipped in there. Agenda got slipped in there. 
I'm all for social injustice and dealing with that. But let's don't attach it to a certain person or as the problem. Is the problem we need a new president? Well, it depends. We got George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery. We've got Breonna Taylor. Huge tragedies right here. I can't imagine my child going for a jog in the neighborhood and someone somehow feeling it was their duty to take my son and shoot him in the street. I can't imagine. So is it the president's problem? Well, let's, let's talk about, what about Eric Garner? Choked to death by a New York Police Department officer in uh, July 2014. Michael Brown, remember Ferguson riots? That was August of 2014. Tamir Rice, November of 2014. Uh, Freddie Gray, all these happened while we had an African-American president who'd been in office for six years. That's not to blame it on President Obama. Uh, you cannot put blame on the presidency in either category. The issue is people and their hearts. It's not if I get a new political leader that this person's going to do it. It's when we begin to change the hearts of mankind, the hearts of people, and we put in office those with a changed heart that now put in laws and policies that's going to ensure that people who don't have those beliefs are not able to act out on their racist feelings or prejudices and protect the people in the meantime. This is what God's wanting to do. But we got to watch out because it, it happens, the layers of things. Let's go throw another one out. Black Lives Matter. As soon as you say Black Lives Matter, some people bristle. Because when they hear Black Lives Matter, they hear you're saying that white lives don't, don't matter. They're saying that blue lives don't matter. And so we have black lives versus blue lives. God says in Christ, there's neither. All are one. Black Lives Matter was not built on the precipice of creating a political agenda. It was built on the precipice of creating awareness. But now, sometimes Black Lives Matter streams over with other people who take that good initiative and turn it into a political agenda. And now it becomes an us versus them. And I'm telling you, we got to tear down the walls. Because police lives matters, white lives matters, all lives matters. Black lives matters for us as whites or Caucasians, those of you who are watching. It is to bring awareness that some people are not treated the way they need to be treated. That's the truth. That's what he's trying to tell us. We've lost this individual process, and this is what God wants us to get back. So now, instead of treating everybody in them and groups, I want us to think about individuals. Big Poppy was very essential in my life. Darius Williams was very essential in my life. I've had others. I could name several other people that have been huge influences in my life to give me culture. Racism and injustice is true, it's real, it's alive in our world. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in the fodder of the political genre that's, or, or jargon that's being thrown out. And we will lose sight of the real issue that I believe Jesus wants us to address. It doesn't mean you don't vote. It doesn't mean you don't have your preference on candidate. That is fine. That's between you and God. I'm going to hold to my values because some of my values are going to make some people on this side of the aisle cringe. Some of my values are going to make people on this side of the aisle cringe. But I'm going to hold to my values, the teachings and the life of Jesus Christ. If it pleases the R's, great. If it pleases the D's, great. But I'm not going to be moved by them. I'm going to hold true to mine. But be ready. Be ready. Not everybody's going to clap. Because we're all trying to have the perfect post. The, the temptation for society, for our young people, is to create a thought process that makes everybody happy. Okay, I need to come to a place in my belief system that I'm right about everything. 
that no one will be mad at me. There's this place, there's this mysterious place out there somewhere where I can hold a set of values and beliefs that everybody's going to think I'm cool. It does not exist. It doesn't exist. So stop letting people pull you back and forth about posts. And well, if you post this, then you're bad. If you don't post this, you're bad. If you don't post this, you're complicit. Well, if you post that, that's too much. It doesn't matter. I was so nervous about talking about it because I knew no matter what I said, some people would say, that's too much. And some people say, that's not enough. Or you went too far. You got into politics. Well, the problem is, and I'll talk about this more next week, hopefully, that we've lost the connection of Christianity and politics. And we've pulled out and we've let a society determine politics and we stay in our little room, have our church services and see some sweet day I'll fly away and our kids are not growing up knowing what the difference of race is, the difference of the socioeconomic status, the difference of male and female because all were just exposed. I knew what I knew because what I was exposed to. When I met Darius, my whole, my world turned upside down. When I met Big Poppy, it turned upside again. I realized that the world is about individuals and group instead of groups. So here's my prayer, is we'll invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to heal our land. And it starts with me. It starts with you, right in your heart, to recognize there's racism in our world. Well, I'm not racist, that's, that's wonderful, but I, I will submit this to you. There's more racism in our heart than we think. There's more prejudicious feelings than we think. Maybe it's not your fault, it's not your intent, but to pretend it's not there is ignorance. And all I'm asking God to do is highlight areas of my life where I'm not aware of another person's life. Someone said this, said if you, if you vote for, if you support Trump, stop following me, don't talk to me, I don't wanna to talk to you. Or if, this person, if you vote for Biden, then I don't wanna to talk to you, I don't wanna, so we don't wanna have conversations. We just wanna have com compliance. So don't hate this about my beliefs, but I can hate this about your beliefs. In Christ, you cannot love God and hate the LGBT community. Can't do it. You can't love God and hate people of another race. You can't say, I walk in love and no hate and hate Christians. Hate President Trump. Hate President Obama. You can't do it. You can't do it. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to tell people, follow Jesus, pray, and let's love one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity right now in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts. God, we want to be more like you. Lord, I open my heart and I say, search me, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our nation. We pray that you will heal our land. We pray against broken systems that create opportunities for racism to flourish. God, we recognize that not everyone of any race is any certain way. We're not grouping everybody together, Lord, but we ask that you help us to look at individuals differently. For blacks to look at whites for Republicans to look at Democrats differently. 
to say, God, show us where Christ is in the midst of this. We pray for an awakening in the United States, a spiritual awakening authored by the Holy Spirit, unctioned by the Holy Spirit. Hang on, look at me for just a moment. God just reminded me of this. I've taken a class, and we're in the second service, so we aren't pressed this time for much, but I'm taking a class for my theology, working towards my master's, and we're doing world revivals. And this last semester, we were talking about world revivals of 1900 through 2000. And I chose to write my research paper on the Azusa Street Revival. I don't know if you know much about the Azusa Street Revival. Google it and read about it. Started in a house on Bonnie Bray Street, African-American people, by a man by the name of William Seymour. So my paper was about William Seymour and Charles Parham. Charles Parham was the first one to pray for someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking tongues in Topeka, Kansas. Charles Parham connected with William Seymour in Texas, and Charles Parham came down and allowed William Seymour. William Seymour wanted more of God, and he, he sought after more of God. But Charles Parham said, well, you can come to my classes, but you got to sit in the hallway. The rest of the white students got to sit in the classroom. William Seymour was so hungry that he sat out in the hallway with the door cracked so he could hear, learning about the Holy Spirit, learning about the move of God. God was move, moving and using Charles Parham in the midst of the Jim Crow laws. A person that was in union with Christ in part of his life was not in full union with Christ in another area of his life. God was still using him. William Seymour goes, leaves Texas, goes to Azusa in Los Angeles. Revival breaks out. Now whites and blacks all together, Asians, Hispanics, all coming to Azusa Street. The power of God brushed all across the nation through Azusa Street in the early 1900s. Race was not an issue in that mission at Azusa Street. Charles Parham was called, come. William called him, said, come back. I want you to come and speak at our mission. He shows up. And he sees that the altar is filled with blacks and whites. And he has a problem with that. He says, no, listen. You, blacks are supposed to be back in that corner. Whites at the altar. William Seymour locked him out of the mission. His mentor. William, there was a point where William said, I respect you as mentoring you in my life. But there's an area of my life that I've come into union with Christ. That there is no difference in race. And until you come into that union, I'm separating from you. I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to stay in union with everybody because they may not be ready to go where you're ready to go. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means there's an area of their life they may not be ready for. Some people listening to this, watching this, are not ready yet. They can't wait to get out if they haven't already turned it off and moved on. Because, listen, I don't want to hear about that race. I'm tired of hearing about it. But I'm telling you, but we've got to change our hearts. We've got to go. William Seymour, powerful man of God used by God. So God used white and black together to author in the biggest rush of the movement of the Holy Spirit in the 20th century. And I'm praying that God will do it again. Do it again. Right in the midst of Jim Crow law, racial diversity, racial division, rioting going on, God used white and black and said, here's the Holy Spirit. Now let's see what he does. I believe the Holy Spirit's coming to do a work in our hearts right in the midst of what the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, to cause division in our nation. I'm telling you, look out. 
It's not going to be the Republicans going to save this country or the Democrats going to save it. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to change our nation. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.